With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. to the Missing Maura Murray podcast. I'm Tim, here with Lance. Lance, how are you? I can't complain. You know, that's the first time I think I've answered anything other than, I'm good, Tim. How are you? I, I, I believe. Um, it's been a good couple of weeks. It's been an amazing couple weeks so far, and it's only going to get crazier. There's, there's only more information that's going to come out in this Oxygen show. Um, we're only two episodes down out of six and so that, I think that's extremely exciting. So we're going to talk about episode two tonight. We're going to play the Facebook Live audio that we did, the after show that we did that uh, aired immediately after episode two did on Oxygen last Saturday. So that that's the majority of this episode. But we're going to cover uh, some other topics um, briefly before we play that audio. There's plenty of ways for the listeners to catch up if you're if you if you haven't watched episode one or episode two and and you're like oh my god i i don't want to start with episode three i mean at some point you can go to the on demand uh you can go to um oxygen crime there's plenty of ways to catch up even if you want to listen to the audio from the first two episodes through us you can totally do that right Right. The first two episodes are available on our podcast feed. First two episodes are also available on Oxygen's website, so you can check those out. And if you are an international listener, you can tune in to our podcast feed to at least hear the audio of these episodes. You said something that was interesting. You said things are going to get more crazy as we go, right? Should I have said crazier? No, no, it wasn't a grammatical thing. Uh, it will get crazy, but when we were working with the production company and and they were feeding us these small pieces of information, things were sort of fluid in our own world while we were there. And watching the two episodes and seeing how all of these elements came together and seeing how they've presented and connected the things that, you know, they allowed us to know about is is really impressive and, and it's yeah, it's going to get pretty crazy. 
Yeah, and where do those little pieces that we know fall into the larger puzzle? It's not like we know what happens in episode three other than the exclusive clips that are out there on Oxygen.com, and I think they're actually on Oxygen's YouTube page too. Um, but other than that, we haven't seen a minute of any of the rest of the show or heard a minute or anything. So, yeah, we literally don't know what's coming up. So that's that's pretty exciting other than what we filmed with them and what we the little we've been told, the little information that's trickled down to us that they choose to deliver to us. <laughs> right. So let's just get right into it. Um, and I don't want to be too repetitive to what we already talked about on the Facebook Live uh, episode. So maybe we can just clarify or just go into more in depth in any of those issues. Okay, before we get into some of the content from episode two, just wanted to remind everyone, especially those on Facebook who are members of the Facebook, uh, the Mara Murray official family Facebook page, just want to remind you to be nice. Obviously, there's a lot of arguing that happens online, doesn't matter what the topic is, it's just part of the internet culture, but... You have to understand on that page, these are family members who, who run this page. So when giving your theory, just try to be polite. I, and I, and th this is really probably for like 1% or 2% of the audience. Um, most people out there un understand this. But if you give your theory, you know, obviously everyone has a right to their own opinion. Um, but just, you know. Be considerate. If you're mature enough to look into the case, go online comment on it, have a theory about it, formulate something in your head, and put it forward to these uh, these forums, you should know that this is the, the, how you present yourself is important to the people reading them. So make sure that that's you, you. It's like a job interview, right? Just make sure you go knowing that that you're presenting the best uh, the best version of yourself. It annoyed me the other night when, I, when someone tweeted at us, and, and I think at us personally too, but said something like, oh, I think I think Maura ran because the family is abusive, and she ran to get away from them. And I said, you know, d d did you watch episode two? Because it, it deals with that question. And he's like, oh, this is my opinion. And it's like, well, you have to realize your opinion is not based on any fact. So if it's your opinion, you know, that that's fine. Please have your own opinion, but do not voice that opinion if it's negative to the family. Please try not to voice that opinion on the family Facebook page. That's all we're asking. Exactly. Take a take a breather. If you need to get it out of your system, email it to us. Yeah, get absolutely. Get it out of your system. Yeah. Put it on the podcast discussion group page if you want, and then you'll get into some debate. That's fine. But just, you know, please be courteous with the family Facebook page. And in case we weren't clear... Just please be courteous with the Facebook page for the family. Let's just to wrap it up. Maggie Freeling, Art Roderick, and Julie Murray recently this week appeared on the Dr. Oz show. Uh, I watched the segment today. It was a great segment. Um, so I think that will be available online. We'll try to link to it in the show notes if you haven't seen it yet. But it's it's very cool. It's, it's nice to hear from Julie. Obviously, it's a very emotional interview for her. Positive attention for this case is a great thing. When they were done that interview, Maggie had contacted us and said that Julie nailed it. And then she sent a picture of uh, the three of them with Dr. Oz. And maybe it's been a long time coming for, for, for Julie to go out in the public like that and to say the things that she said, but she nailed it. She absolutely nailed it. And it's, it's definitely worth, uh, it's worth the wait and it's worth, it's worth watching. 
Okay, so let's get right into episode two, what happened there. The episode started about James Renner and and his theory that Moramori ran away and was was traveling in tandem with a friend and was was pregnant. That was the catalyst for her leaving and heading to the White Mountains. And then she spins out accidentally, and she's picked up by her friend, and they go wherever they go. That that it was James Renner's theory. The episode dealt with it, and it it actually. I don't want to say prove that Mora wasn't pregnant because there's no way at this point um, to prove that she wasn't pregnant. But as far as James Renner's theory goes, his theory was based in large portion off of an internet search that Mora Murray made about the effects of alcohol on an unborn fetus. So the episode, episode two, interviewed a woman who was in nursing school with Maura at the time who carpooled with her to clinicals. Her name is Erin. And she said that it was a maternity class that they were in and they were emailing terms back and forth. And she said that that was the search. That was the email. So it, it essentially debunks the Maura was pregnant theory. And to circle back to kind of what we were saying before, if you still think Maura was pregnant, that's fine. That's your opinion. But you have to understand that it's not based on anything now. Exactly. And if you're approaching this case with um, your investigator hat on, your responsible investigator hat on, you have to understand that what's happening right now is the most prominent theory that's out there needs to be addressed pretty quickly. So they do that in episode two. And they talk to the person who has put that out there uh, the most publicly and the most aggressively. And I don't say aggressively in a bad way. It's just, you know, for lack of a better word, he's put that out there um, the most aggressively, that she was traveling in tandem and she was pregnant. So what do you do as an investigator? You don't, you don't try to prove that. You try to disprove that. And if you can't disprove that, then that only leaves you with, well, that must be the case, right? So what they did was they they found the people and they found the circumstances around this theory to disprove it. It is no, it, it is by no way uh, a, a slap to the face of James Renner. It is saying this theory that's out there right now has just been stripped away. What Aaron says does not match with any form of reason why Mora would leave. She, she did her homework Super late at night, early in the morning. 3.32 a.m. was the time that she emailed her homework assignment to Aaron. Mora had emailed, and other people within this group had emailed information about topics that they were assigned. And it just happens that the topic that Mora had and her group was, was uh, maternity, was childbirth. And so it doesn't exactly eliminate the idea that Mora ran away. Um, and I think I, I may have kind of said that in the live show, but I think what I w- and, and I saw some comments on that, but it was more like I, w- I think I was kind of trying to say that the the theory that she was pregnant was dismissed, not necessarily the runaway theory. Um, but I will say that it definitely lowers the odds that Mora ran away. It it really lowers them way way down. I would say. And I think I think the the homework being emailed also lowers the thought that she committed suicide too. I think it lowers it pretty far. 
It doesn't eliminate either of them, but lowers them. It totally lowers it because you're looking at the motivations and you're looking at the intentions. And if you're, it doesn't matter if it's homework or anything, there's a, there's a schedule on it and a due date on it. If you plan on never coming back to anything, it goes, that, that thing, which might seem pretty insignificant to some people, is very significant. That homework thing is very significant because we, we always talk about the items that were packed up in her dorm room, which the show addresses. And they say she packed it up like she was ready to leave. Well, why in the world would you ever email something that has a deadline on it if you were ready to leave anyway? We already address, and it contradicts other uh, theories. If you've if you have done things like stolen lipstick from, you know, the most secure location in America, Fort Knox, like like lipstick, in order to get out of that, then you're not emailing your your homework to to somebody because there's a deadline on it. You you've already if you if you've already established a pattern of doing things because you want to run away from something, this contradicts that. And with that said, I know that we'll get emails or, or people are thinking right now it's like, well, you know, just because she dropped off her clothes to Erin doesn't mean she didn't intend to commit suicide. People do that, they tie up loose ends when they commit suicide, they pack their boxes. Uh, they pe- sometimes they pack their things to make it easier on the people who have to pick up after them after they're gone. About the dorm room boxes that they brought up the question that were they packed up or not unpacked, still sort of unanswered. But it, you know it it is still possible that she did intend to commit suicide even if she sent her homework in. But I think again those odds they went they they shrunk. The odds that that's what happened, I think they shrunk because of that information. Exactly. And you kind of even made your own point there without realizing, I don't think, that you made your own point. Because if she, if the intention was to go commit suicide right from the beginning and she packed her stuff and she returned the clothes and she sent her, e- uh, her email of um, the, the homework and tying up loose ends, everything found in her car does not tie up loose ends. And watch a show. Like, you can see the items found in her car. Those don't tie up loose ends. The things found in her car, the things not found in her car, where her car was, nothing ties up a loose end during the actual act of it. Also, I wanted to mention that during the Facebook Live audio that you'll hear in just a few minutes, um, I kind of lost my train of thought, I think, on on an answer, and I started talking about how Mora is a night owl. I think what I the the question was about Mora on Friday, the Friday before she went missing. And I think what I meant to say was we know that she stay, stays up late doing homework and sometimes probably hanging out with her friends, partying maybe a little bit, but she might have just slept in on Friday. The question the question I think in the Facebook live chat was was she planning her escape on Friday morning? Is that why there's no calls on her phone? Well, it, she was probably just sleeping in because she stays up late. Right. And we're all used to its revisionist history. We're all used to looking at our phones and them being a permanent part of our being, right? So because there's no like call history, there's no the communication wasn't as intense as it is now. She could have been doing anything. She could have just not even thought to bring her phone somewhere. She could have gone for a run. She could have went to get breakfast. She could have gone to Dunkin' Donuts to get some coffee. Who knows? But like she just might not have brought her phone just because we always bring our phones and we always are connected doesn't mean somebody in 2004 was. Also, circling back to James Renner, 
Um, he mentions to Maggie and Art during this episode that he doesn't think that they should tell law enforcement if they were to find Mora. So this has been a topic of conversation um, on social media the past few days. Why would he say that? It's kind of a convenient thing for James to say because he could always say that she emailed him and he can post on Reddit that Maura Murray emailed me and and I'm done now. But no one else can know, including law enforcement. And you look at the people, the the independent investigators and the the armchair detectives who look into this case and say things like, I hope she's out there. I hope, you know, if she contacts law enforcement or anybody looking into the case that that her location would be kept a secret because obviously she left and she ran away and there was something that she ran away from and we want to protect her from it. Um, I feel like that might be slightly disingenuous and slightly not not an excuse, but maybe a justification for these people because they they want to look into this. It's fascinating to them. But I think ultimately in the back of their head, some part of them realizes that if this was the case, they might be ruining somebody's life. And they want to make sure that they're not responsible for that in their own head. And they want to make sure that the public realizes that this was not what their intention was, was to ruin somebody's life. But they're getting, they're getting overtaken by the fascinating mystery of the whole thing. In episode two, Maggie interviewed Kathleen Murray, which is a, a big part of this puzzle and mystery as well. Obviously, the My Sister call came up in this episode. That's a big, um, I don't know if you want to call it a red herring, but it's it's a big point to this mystery that people base their theories off and a lot of people will say that Kathleen knows more or she she knows where Mora is or the Murray family knows where Mora is and and God knows what my sister means and insert your own theory here with what my sister means um, but Kathleen said in episode two that she left rehab days before Mora went missing her ex-husband Tim picked her up and they drove he took her right to a liquor store and then they went home and Kathleen told Mora that and then Mora's breakdown at work happened my sister and and then there we go and then she's she's off running so i think it's also a stretch to say at this point that she was running from her family so I, you know, I don't know who, you know, if, if, if he's talking about Bill, you know, and, and that's the theory, don't, don't let Bill know. It seems like, like she's pretty detached from Bill at this point. I don't, I can't imagine Bill is coming after Mora at this point if she is found to be alive and she ran from him in the first place, even if she had a kid, can't imagine she's afraid for her safety from Bill at this point. Maybe I'm wrong. Obviously we've been wrong many, many times on this podcast, but it's just it's it's a stretch to believe that now after episode 2 so many points to address here how many times in your life have you been not accused of something but in been in the wrong place at the wrong time and somebody asks you hey do you know about this thing and the more they ask you the more you start to defend yourself as if you were guilty and i feel like that has happened with kathleen that there's been so much talk about this that she feels like no matter what she says is going to be the wrong thing, so she overcompensates sometimes for it. Then you add on the fact that she was getting out of rehab, 
And then you introduce this show and you have cameras in front of her and you have Maggie and you have she knows everything is being recorded. So these these thoughts from 13 years ago when she just got out of rehab, she's trying to piece it together and she's trying to give the best the best explanation of of what happened during this phone call, this my sister phone call that we all make a big deal out of. And she can't do anything better than say, I was just telling her about my situation. And why can't we all accept that? She didn't say that. I'm saying that. Why can't we all accept that? Why can't we all accept that a sibling called her sister and said, things are shitty. My my husband is still drinking. I'm trying to make things better. I'm falling apart. I need help. And her sister breaks down. Why can't we accept that? Why can't we just say, well, that was it. It had nothing to do with her disappearing. It it, it is it it is what it is. So Kathleen's interview is is incredibly revealing, not for what she says, but what should be like seen between the lines. The most fascinating part about this episode was how it starts off and it is like a little microcosm of of a proper investigation or how we perceive a proper investigation to be. It starts off with one thing, and they start off with James Renner. And then by the time it's done, you almost forget about the things that James Renner said because they chip away at all of that. And and this is by no means like some some like you know like like a post that you find on Reddit. We're not I'm certainly not discounting anything that Renner said. He's done his investigation, he's written his book and 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 he has these things in his, you know, internal filing cabinet that he goes to. But what this show did was perform a proper investigation of his theory. He said it. Maggie said after, I can't believe how nice he was and how, you know, you you watch that and you say, that makes sense. And then you chip away at it. And that's the proper investigation. And then you say, hey, James, that just doesn't make sense. And then it ends with a look into the family dynamic with Kathleen and that's fascinating. And by the time that's done, you get a whole new insight into where Mora was at right before she went missing. Right. And there's sort of an, an ethical question that comes up in, in episode two. And the interview with Kathleen is Maggie talking to Kathleen in a hotel room in Vermont. But Art Roderick, former U.S. Marshal, who's on the show, and Evie Pomporis, who is a correspondent a security analysis former secret service she's an interrogation expert a body language expert so they're in another room and they're watching this and they are actually talking to maggie in her ear and the, the they're telling her if if kathleen is uncomfortable or they're telling her push on this certain thing because she's opening up it's a big it's a big ethical question I think and a lot of people brought this up online but Kathleen has been such a huge question to this community it was a necessary collateral damage thing to do collateral damage is um, a little bit heavy of a term but it's the only thing I can think of that we can use to describe this it was it was something where you needed to tiptoe on the balance of being ethical and getting information that is so desperately needed and you really weren't hurting people 
You were this, this was information that was going to be coming out in some way at and on some forum somewhere at some time. And you, you controlled it at the best you could. No one was hurt because of the conclusion that came about, though, I will say. Exactly, so because they controlled risk. the conclusion. No, 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 was, no one controlled was, the conclusion. It no, was, no, no. Well, what, I'm saying, what I'm saying is they controlled it because Maggie could have stopped it at any time. Art could have stopped. Like, anybody could have stopped it. What I'm trying to say is, like, this information, if it came out in some forum somewhere where people could comment on it and just go nuts and like blow it to pieces. This was with, this was with like respected journalists, uh, a former U S marshal and an interrogation expert. This was the only way that this information could have been out there, could have been drawn out of Kathleen. And they all seem to agree that the, my sister um, mentioned that Mora had was in relation to Kathleen Kathleen's issues and and coming back from rehab and being driven right to a liquor store, obviously something that would make anyone awkward to talk about. So, you know, in the episode, they're like, well, her body language is weird here. And you see her like moving her foot when when Maggie asks about my sister. But obviously she didn't want to talk about that. I mean, how courageous was Kathleen to to do this interview and to to talk about these things that she has not wanted to talk about the reason it wasn't in the public sphere is because she didn't want to talk about it, not because that there's some hidden mystery behind it. I mean, it, it, ex, it, this isn't just me and Lance talking about this. Experts just agreed on this in episode two. Exactly. Exactly. And it took them, you even see that it took them a while to get in contact with Kathleen for her to agree to do it. She had to be convinced to do something like this. Um, again, the best forum for this information to come out was what you see in episode two you, you can't put a spin on that that's that's what happened and we know we we we've talked to to maggie and art and we've talked about how uncomfortable they were or how you know how great it was to see kathleen and and say hey it's so it's so amazing that you've actually decided to do something like this you also understand what it's like for someone like Kathleen to attempt to remember 13 years ago this tragic situation when she was coming out of rehab and she's trying to say the right thing. And that's the thing I keep coming back to. And like you said, the courage of her to do this. She must not have had... I mean, I, I can't really... If someone asked me something about, you know, four months ago that happened that I didn't know anything about, you know, it just takes courage to... to to go forward and, and speak in, regardless of any situation, let alone your sister and your situation in life. Everything that's happened around this case, the fact that she even was there <laughs> speaks volumes. Right. Yeah. She, she did it for her sister, Mora. I mean, that, that was that, you know, it's kind of heartwarming actually, you know, the whole Murray family came together and participated in this show for Mora. Right, because she knew, you know that she knew that, I mean, she's been on, she's been on the, the forums. She understands what's out there. Well, obviously, she didn't do this they for herself. She, you know, like, right. yeah, like, um, you know, Kathleen she knew, she right, Fred. She risked it to, to yeah. come out. Yeah, yeah. Someone mentioned that we should talk about the black box uh, recovered from Mora's car. Now, this was mentioned in the interview with Nancy Grace that Art and Maggie did on Nancy Grace's podcast, Crime Stories, just maybe a week or two ago. 
So I think that's interesting that there were seven clicks found on this black box, which means that Mora tried to start her car seven times after the accident. And Art says that with that kind of car, you would had to have taken your key out and then put it back in to start. Now, maybe Mora didn't know that, or maybe she did that and the car just wouldn't start. But either way, she was trying to start the car and keep moving. So that is now a fact. Doesn't that also speak volumes to her uh, intentions? So when you look at the when you look at the um, the the top theories about what happened to her, just I'm not even going to put them out there. But just think about somebody who's trying to start their car after getting into this um, you know single car accident and you're hung up in a snowbank. Think about trying to start your car seven times. Why are you trying to do that? And I'm not going to even speculate on that. I'm not going to put that out there. But I want people to think about that. If you have any other intentions, why are you starting your car seven times? Right. It, this this show is kind of like it. It, it picture to me. I picture like a like a foggy window, and and we're we're rubbing it with Windex, and it, it the picture is slowly becoming more and more clear. So you know, let this TV show guide your opinion. You know, don't hold on to your preconceived notions of what you think happened. If this show is shaking your former beliefs, let it happen. I assure you this information is not false in any way. Right. It's awesome to let something like this open your mind. I, I mean, how, how amazing of a feeling is that? You've had this one view on something for so long, and something opens up and is pretty legit. Let it, let it open your mind. Yeah, I, I say um, often that I, I love being wrong because it, it means I learned something. And it's fine to admit you're wrong. Humans are wrong every day. Before we play the Facebook Live after show audio from episode two that Lance and I did last Saturday night, just wanted to let you know that we are doing another one after episode three this Saturday night. So tune in to Oxygen's Facebook page if you want to talk uh, about episode three live with Lance and I. We uh, rattle off a bunch of questions, as you can hear in this audio in just a moment. Also, episode three, there are some exclusive clips that are out there, so check those out. The show deals with the rag and the tailpipe in episode three. They also get an interview with Dick Guy, the man who was on the scene that night, who actually was the first person to notice the rag hanging out of the tailpipe. So that's a pretty fascinating interview. There's also an interview on Oxygen's site with the officer who ticketed Mora after her credit card incident at UMass. So that's a pretty interesting interview too. And I don't think that's making the show. I think that's just exclusive internet material. And also in episode three, Maggie stands at the accident site around the time of the accident and on a Monday night in the winter. And she counts how many cars went by in that 20 or so minutes where we know Mora should have been at that site. So that's pretty fascinating, I think, to see how many cars actually pass by that time of year on that night. All the things that you just went through right there are items on a list of things that people should be looking at to check off. Right. We need to look at this. We need to look at this. We need to look at this. And that, that, again, is exactly what this show is doing. Um, and, and after episode three, you're gonna, we'll all come back and, and Tim and I will do our best during the Facebook Live episode. Those, those, those are going to get better, I promise. We no, no elbows on the table, no moths in the room uh, for this one. So that, that uh, worked out in everybody's uh, favor. But 
the next episode after that, episode four, episode five, you're 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 going to start checking things off your list and and looking at this as as wow, I can actually hold on to something that is a is a viable theory now. So it's getting more and more exciting. Yeah, I hope I have a theory after the show is over, <laughs> but I'm not going to force it. Um, okay, so thank you very much for listening to this episode. And right now we're going to play the Facebook Live audio from the after show that we did after episode two aired last Saturday night. So I hope you enjoy it. And what's funny is that we said we're going to get together tonight and we're going to do a quick intro. And I'm looking at the time on this right now. <laughs> And there'll be some editing here, but we've already been talking for an hour for a quick intro. So, yeah, enjoy this, uh, and there'll be more to come. There'll be more to come. Good things are happening here. Before we play the Facebook Live audio, we just wanted to tell you a little bit about our sponsor for this episode. It is a true crime podcast called Crawl Space. Check it out. Subscribe now. Follow the guys on Twitter at Crawl Space Pod. They talk about the Brianna Maitland disappearance, among other cases. The Brianna Maitland disappearance is about a 17-year-old woman who went missing from Montgomery, Vermont, about 80 miles from where Mora went missing from about six weeks after Mora went missing. So there are some interesting similarities there. They're a new sponsor for us, right? We haven't uh, mentioned Crawlspace as a sponsor on this show before. Uh, the The main show uh, consists of, like you said, Brianna Maitland. They cover two other cases. And then they get into discussions with other podcasters like True Crime Garage. They talk with criminal psychologists. They talk with um, professors and uh, authors. They kind of run the gamut there of the whole true crime world. Super interesting stuff and really cool guys. And I heard that one of them has luscious Kennedy hair. And if you haven't figured it out by now, it is us, actually. It's our other podcast. So check us out over at Crawl Space. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, back to the rest of the show. starts off in the way it ends is uh you, you don't expect it to go in that direction because you start off with james renner talking about mora running from the men in her life possibly being pregnant and then they chip away at that that theory mm -hmm. and then it, it ends in this really emotional um they get personal with the family yep. and then they get into the family dynamic and i think that's very 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 important for the case mm -hmm. and i wasn't expecting it to go in that direction and i was really um drawn into what Kathleen was saying and also what she wasn't saying. Mm. Yeah. Captivating interview with uh, Kathleen Murray, Maura's sister, obviously. Um, first time she's spoken in years, about a decade. So yeah. they, they say on the show, she obviously has, has not spoken with us on our podcast. So, uh, but she did speak with the production company and I think it was a great interview and it finally cleared up what my sister meant sure we, we finally have an answer for that one of the biggest questions in this community we, we finally have an answer to right and it's not anything that 
it, it is something that you would expect it to be if you're talking about a sibling, right? Mm-hmm. It's not something that is is entrenched in mystery. One one sibling's going through something is expressing um, distraught uh, feelings, expressing things that that aren't going well in their life to the other sibling, and it upsets them. And and she had a think about what time the call came in too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking after midnight. And we're talking about you know, the pressure of school and the pressure of life. And Mora had a had a little breakdown, right? And I don't know how much we should read into that when we look at the disappearance other than maybe she just needed to maybe that was a catalyst to take some time off who knows but there might not be anything more than just my sister's going through a tough time and i feel horrible for her well it seems like it right because okay so mora emails her professors that there was a death in the family but she tells the two people that she saw in person or on the phone that there's a family emergency so you would imagine that she would be telling the truth of the people that she speaks to in person, whereas a professor is a little bit detached from your personal life. And to get out of a week or so of school or however long you want to say, she's going to lie to them. She's going to need something a little bit more substantial. Right. right. It, because it is a little nondescript. And Kathleen didn't even understand what uh, major impact this may have had on Mora. So... Just to recap here, so in the interview with Maggie and Kathleen, Kathleen says that she had gotten out of rehab and was picked up by her her husband at the time, and he drove her right to... One stop was right to a uh, a liquor liquor store. store. Yeah. And Kathleen said that she told more of that on the phone that night, the Thursday night call, the call that everyone talks about, the my sister call. Why did Maura freak out? Why did she need to be escorted back to her front, uh, to her dorm by her supervisor? What did she mean by my sister? Well, wh- now it seems that we know what she meant by my sister. Maura right. was distraught and upset that her brother-in-law took her sister to a liquor store after she left rehab. And things are not getting better. And you can see why this is an embarrassing thing. You can see why, why someone this wouldn't come. talk about it for so this long. This has taken almost 14 years to be out yeah. in the public, yeah. right? And I get it. Like it's, I mean, how how hard must that interview have been ha, have been yeah. for Kathleen yeah. Murray? I mean, seriously, how brave was she to do that interview to bare her soul like that? Mm-hmm. She got emotional. It was incredible. Yep, yep, and and. On the face of it, we keep saying there's there's been so much time that's been uh, taken up with trying to figure out why people do certain things and what they do, and and trying to justify all these things. And and recently we started saying, just take things at face value. Right. She had an upsetting conversation with her sister about something that was going wrong in her sister's life, and it made her cry. At one in the morning at her job she was probably exhausted and her sister's telling her i can't do this anymore i'm trying to go to rehab and and it upset mora and why can't we just take that as a individual situ like an individual moment right that that doesn't really affect anything else other than her leaving right you know there's not some grand conspiracy maybe but if you just take things at face value we all relate to it mm-hmm 
It, should... It's a tough moment for, for, for the family. But uh, yeah, l- l- let's take some questions. Uh, Sarah here says, strange. I think Kathleen acts hurt and cautious. I don't think that's strange. True. And I would agree. I don't yeah. know. Did we say strange? I hope not because I don't... I don't think we made maybe meant strange. If we said strange, it was. I think it's more an uncomfortable thing. Obviously, it's a very awkward interview. Right, right. right. Kathleen the, the, is very uncomfortable. Right. The whole situation is, is you're strange. Wa- you're walking but, into this hotel room where there's cameras everywhere. First of all, you right. haven't done an interview in ten years, and you know there's cameras everywhere, and you know that maybe these people think that you know something that you probably don't, but it puts you in this this atmosphere of like kind of having like a negative conscience or something like that right right? a guilty conscience a guilty conscience and it's like even if you're not guilty of something if if people keep accusing you of that you start you start defending yourself and the more you defend yourself the more you start looking like you're just defending yourself against something that you've done and you start feeling weird about it Mm -hmm. because i haven't done this so you start being very aware of what you're talking about. It, you know, how are these people interpreting it? So the whole situation is very strange. But no, I don't think it's strange at all for uncomfortable, yes. But yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think Kathleen's behavior was strange at all. Right. I think it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, Heidi in the chat asks, What do you think of James Renner? Did you read the book? And uh, obviously referring to James uh, Renner's book, True Crime Addict. Good question. It, it was a, a Renner episode, I guess you could say, right? So it dealt with James Renner's theory that Mora may have run away. It dealt with it head on. Mm-hmm. Um, it introduced it, and then by the end of the episode, it dismissed it. Right. Maggie and Art dismissed the idea that Mora ran away. You look at all of the circumstances in Mora's life, and you compare them to james brenner's theory about more running away because she was pregnant and the things just don't add up you can say that they add up because um it's convenient to say that she was pregnant with billy's child and billy was abusive and controlling and she wanted to get away and she realized that billy was just another version of her father who was abusive and controlling but you can literally say that about anybody Mm -hmm. and show some clip about something and and you know Moore's father is like come on girls get up and let's go for a run how is that abusive and controlling it is if you just if you if you say it like he he demanded them to to run you know right. he demanded that this is how they 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 act but no he had he had expectations for his kids mm-hmm. and from what we've seen julie and mora have have they rose to those occasions right mm-hmm. and and it wasn't anything where anybody other than the people from the outside have said well that could possibly be abusive Mm-hmm. Um, so it's these theories that have been generated from the outside, right? Uh, and 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 the, the the pregnancy thing. If you just look at the timeline of the whole thing, well, doesn't make any sense at all. Well, I I don't know. I, so the 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 big revelation in this episode was a conversation with Erin Murphy from UMass, who was in clinicals with Mora, in nursing clinicals with Mora, and said that the search, the search that everyone talks about. Uh, as being the evidence to point to potentially Mora being pregnant, uh, her search for her Google search, yes, her Google search for can w- what would the effects of alcohol do on an unborn fetus? Obviously, that led to speculation of people thinking Mora was pregnant, maybe trying to get rid of the baby. Obviously, maybe she right? had a secret yeah. abortion. Right when that news comes out, who knows? You know, 
people you, you know you, it's natural your mind your mind goes a lot of places you th- you consider these things but right. we, but what we heard tonight in episode 2 Erin said that her and her classmates were emailing clinical terms back and forth about maternity exactly and anybody who's had any project that's been a group project in college, in any sort of secondary education, you have a group that comes together, you're assigned the, 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 the project, everyone has different parts of that project that they need to contribute to, and, you know, this was one of the parts of the project. that, yeah. that She was in nursing school, they were talking about maternity, they were talking about this, and, and, and she did her homework, and she emailed her homework, yeah. but no one mentions that. No she one, emailed no... her homework at 3.32 right. a.m. on February 9th, the day she disappeared. Right. Yeah. And no one talks about that. People talk about the fact that her her dorm was packed up mm-hmm. when her dorm was probably just not unpacked. We don't know. The, but, the... But, but I'm saying, like, we yeah. don't know. Exactly. Yeah. We, it could have been packed up. It could have been unpacked. But people just like lock onto that sexy yeah. theory that she was pregnant and she wanted to find out what you know. And, and you know, you you have to take into consideration the fact that she bought all the alcohol, and so people are saying, well, she bought all the alcohol so she could kill the you know she she again like it's so I, I confusing like... because it's like that that if she's looking for a way to see, like to see what how alcohol affects and the the fetus right yeah and then she buys all the alcohol that's a really cool like connection theory yeah, 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 yeah a really cool connection right but that still doesn't back up what renner's theory is is that she joined some underground railroad for battered women right well there's no google search for that there, we, we know exactly that. but so i think what, what tonight's episode does what episode two's what episode two's show inve- investigation does did i think is is minimize the odds that Maura Murray is out there alive somewhere. I know we got a couple questions. Do we think she's alive? At this point, I would have to say the the odds of that are very extremely low. And it's sad to say. It is a sad thing to say. And I hope she's out there. But right. at this point, after the information that just came out tonight about my sister and about this email that that she sent to Erin and her classmates at 3.32 a.m., as well as the search or as well as the search about alcohol effects on an unborn fetus being about school and not about her being pregnant or anything like that, it it, it paints a it, it clears up the picture, does it not? It absolutely clears up the picture. At one point during the episode, it, before it cuts to commercial, James Renner says Mora stole from Fort Knox. Okay, and then it cuts to commercial, and it's you know we we have some people here viewing viewing the show with us, and it, it made it sound like, and people were talking in the room. They were like, "Wow, it made it sound like she had like a dump truck and filled it up with gold and drove and it drove out underground." There. Yeah, yeah, no, she she was at a gift shop basically. Yeah. She, she stole lipstick a, at yeah. a gift. At, at, she at didn't the, even steal it. She got caught. Right, right. Yeah. At at the pharmacy at. at Fort Knox at the gift shop at Fort Knox. Right. So it is not as salacious as it sounds. Right. And I and I wanted to say earlier about the things that were found in her car, the things that were left in her car and the things that were not uh accounted for after when you look at it everything that's left in her car were things that suggested that she would be back at some point. The things that were not left in her car, wallet, cell phone, license, those are things that suggest that she had an intention to come back. Right. She didn't take the things from her car 
if you're traveling with someone in tandem and the plan is to continue on, you take everything from your car. You've now abandoned that car because if your plan is to leave forever, to run away, you take everything from the car. And we're not talking about like a U-Haul worth of stuff. We're talking a couple of bags. Yeah. She took the things that you would take if you were walking up the street. Mm-hmm. Right? You yeah. lock your car. You take your keys, your cell phone, and your wallet. Yeah. There, there was nothing that was not in the car that would suggest that she was leaving for a long time. I would agree. Yeah. Based on the items in, in Moore's car uh, found, it does seem like it's a weekend or, or a week at the most. Right, right. For that. Yeah. But that's the long picture of like her leaving. Right. That short picture of the of the five to seven minutes of her disappearance yeah. of when she was taken. Yeah. If there was somebody who came up and said, okay, you know, if it was a planned tandem driver, she would have grabbed everything from her car, tossed it in that car. Especially the alcohol that, Especially that she had just bought. Especially, uh, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. She had she had toothpaste, she had right. birth control, she had tampon, she had a workout clothes, yeah. socks, underwear, she had yeah. everything in there and what was not found from the car that we know was cell phone keys wallet. That's yeah. what you don't take that's what you take if you plan on coming back to your car. From Craig, where was Kathleen that night and Tim's truck? Tim is was Kathleen's husband at the time. Supposedly they were in Hanover, Massachusetts. That is what we heard, so Mora was not heading to meet them or anything like that. I know there there had been some rumors that they were in Vermont at that time and they weren't. They were in Hanover, Massachusetts at that time. Yeah. From Nancy, has Kathleen ever said where she was the night of the crash? Uh, Again, same. Yeah, we, we don't, as far as specifics, I don't know. I know she was living in Hanover at the time, supposedly. Right. From Holly, it was so sad seeing her car tonight. And I agree. And it's sort of a, a poignant moment uh, when, when Maggie says, it kind of feels like a tomb look, looking at this. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, you kind of got that feeling watching the episode, too. It's kind of like a like a solemn moment, like a, almost like a moment of silence that you would do. Yeah. You know, and I remember when, um, you and I, and, and our camera guy, Josh, um, went to troop F and we saw the car Yeah, and we drove behind troop F in New Hampshire, right? Like the Concord area. And we went behind the, uh, the, the police station and we didn't even realize that the car was just sitting there. Yeah, it ended up being right in front of us. Right right there. Um, and then this is before it got moved to Concord. It, it's sort of at a state police facility now. Well, yeah. I actually was at a state police facility then. Too. Right. But you know, it's, it's, um, it's pretty remarkable to think about what's happened in this case to now. And this car is one of the biggest pieces of evidence, and it's never been put into impound. Yeah. When we saw it, it had been sitting there for quite a while. Yep. And there was an area that was fenced off. That you could put a car in, but her car had been sitting there, half sunk in, like the tires were six inches deep into the into the ground. Yeah, because I, it had been sitting there so long. It, it did look like when we saw it in 2013, it was in better shape than it was tonight, and it had only been transported once, as, as far, far as, as we, we know, know, once or twice. Yeah, yeah. So, but the bumper was on it when we saw it. Like, uh, I think, I think that. Some some of the damage that you saw on the show tonight might have happened when it was transported yeah. from Troop F to where it rests now, um, because it, it just didn't look it just didn't look that intense uh, when we saw it. From Vanessa, what about that Friday when there was a snow day before Mora went missing? When there was no cell phone activity until that evening, could she have been planning her getaway that day? 
I suppose, right? I mean, if there was a getaway to be planned. But if you're talking about the Friday before, you have to look at what she's done between the Friday and the Monday. Yeah. Which is returned clothes, attended, you know, um, her her job yeah. at the uh, at the at the door where she where she broke down and um and 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 done she did her homework and and emailed it. It doesn't make much sense if she was planning anything. She was also some like a little bit of a night owl, it seemed, right? So she was doing her homework at three thirty in the morning, uh, the the day she went missing. Right. So, you know, if she's up late, she's probably doing homework, right. doing some research. Speaking of being like up late, mm-hmm. um, they had uh, the the episode have alluded to uh, the credit card. Yep. Um, the the credit card numbers. As far as we know, it wasn't numbers, and I know we might be splitting hairs here. Yeah. It's not numbers, it was a number. It was a credit card number. Yep. And it wasn't it was it's presented to the audience in a way where it's like Mora was looking for credit card numbers. Yeah. That she had a bunch of credit card numbers, and I could be wrong, but as far as we know, it was one number that po- probably was passed around to a bunch of people. Yeah. That is what we heard at least. Um, seeing Helena Murray was uh, somewhat emotional. Yeah, yeah. sad. Um, it was very sad because uh, Helena was was the family spokesperson and really the, f- the the front lines of defense. If you wanted to talk to any Murray family member about this mystery, you had to go through Helena, and she passed away sadly a few months back uh, after after a uh, a courageous battle. So yeah, and and just a courageous woman. Courageous, courageous woman, and the work she did on this case the, is staggering. And the tenacity that she had, and the energies she had, and she was feisty right up yep. until the last yep. times we talked to her. Yeah. She was very feisty. And uh, Troy, Troy can can talk about his experience with her, and it's very uh, bittersweet. Yeah. Um, from Kelly or from Kerry. Do you have your elbows on the table? I don't. <laughs> Thank you. Elbows <laughs> elbows are at my knees. Thanks. From Alex. Along with her interview on this episode, do you make anything of the allegation that Kathleen's DNA was recently connected by the New Hampshire State collected. Cold Case Unit? Did I say collected? What did I connected. say? I said connected. Oh. Um, collected. Uh, tough to say. I, tough to answer here right now. Maybe we'll get some more information as the series goes along, but... Uh, I, I it would just be speculation if we were to talk about it now, right? If anything was collected for DNA, it was to be compared with something that has been recently found, or found previous, and uh, and knew something big must have happened for some cold case for the cold case unit to say we need to we need to make the comparisons, we need to run the tests. Yeah. So, um, we're not in on all of that. Unfortunately, yeah. we're not. You know, we're we're just a couple of guys. We're not in on what uh, law enforcement does yeah from kate if she was planning on coming back why does she so adamantly talk about returning or why does she so adamant about returning her friend's clothes again like we can't really speculate on that because yeah if she was going to come back i mean she borrowed a friend's clothes she wanted to return them yeah and if she was gone for a week then that friend might need them they they were nursing scrubs too sure. so so it is something that she would have needed right i just feel like that's something that some responsible person would do yeah it, it is and not even think about the fact that she might be going away forever or for 3 days or for a week yeah. she borrowed something and said i'll return them on this particular day yeah 
There's been nothing about Mora that we've learned that has suggested that she's been irresponsible. Right. Right? I guess so. Yeah, I mean, for pretty much, I would say. Um, so, yeah, but I, I thought that her leaving the clothes at the door was an interesting point, too. So, uh, so she knocked on the door. Aaron didn't answer. Um, and she, she left the clothes there. It's, I guess it's probably not the kind of thing like someone's going to steal your Amazon package from your doorstep. It's like, you know, all these kids, all these people are college students. They're all in this together. No one's going to steal someone's clothes. Because when I first heard about it, it's like, oh, well, why would you leave something there? Someone's going to steal that. But really, it's probably not going to happen in a dorm hallway. Someone will look at it and be like, okay. (laughs) Um and, and we look at it with, uh, you know, revisionist history, right? Yeah. We look at it and and think, well, she was returning all of these things because she knew she wasn't coming back. Again, at face value, she was probably returning these things because she told them she would return these things. Yeah. From Julie Murray. Hey, Tim and Lance, thanks for your support and sticking to the known facts. Someone knows something. Thank you, Julie. That's really cool uh, that that you said that. Uh, we really appreciate that, and it it I agree. It someone knows someone something. knows something. There's yeah. no question about because that. Because not to oversimplify it, right? But something happened there. Something happened there, and I know we we established like a seven minute timeline, mm-hmm. but it's less than that. Mm-hmm. It's like a minute. Something happened there in that minute. Yeah. Whether it was somebody she knew, somebody she was planning to meet, or somebody she didn't know, something happened in that minute. Yeah. And that's what that's honestly what drives everybody uh that, that that is what pushes everybody to look into this case deeper and deeper and deeper and that's what pushed this network to look into it and the production company to look into it is that when you think that you can get the answer from that little nugget of time that little like 1 2 3 minute of time mm-hmm. you don't. Yeah. You don't. It's impossible. And that's what's frustrating. But yeah, Julie, someone knows something. Clint, uh, who who has been in our podcast a few times, says Mora's breakdown at work was hours after her phone call with Kathleen. Yet Mora talked to Billy within forty minutes of her breakdown. Do you think this gets addressed at some point? And I would, I, I don't know. It, I don't it's know. a good question. Um, I don't know, but it it doesn't seem like like Clint is satisfied with the answer that uh, that my, my sister was was about Kathleen. And her husband bringing her to the liquor store. Okay, so what he's saying, and if you if if um if we can get information that shows that because of how it's presented, right, is yep. that the phone call happened within minutes. Moore's broke, like she breaks down, says my sister. What Clint is saying is that it happened hours after. Um, if there's some sort of, I don't think we've ever received any documentation or seen anything that proves that. Yeah, yeah, and and I would say, um, I mean, I don't know, like, like so, so if, if you get a phone call during the day and then you press on with your with your work day, right? If I, if I got a call in the morning, I've done work, and then it kind of hits you later. I don't think that's odd. I mean, I, I get what Clint is saying that it, you know, her breakdown happened after her conversation with Billy, not after her conversation with Kathleen. But it doesn't mean that that's the way more is brain work you know it doesn't mean sure. that's the yep. way her emotions hit her sure um i think i think clint is saying that that's kind of what, what he's expecting and i think it's too tough to say yeah without knowing right it's a very interesting point let's 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 come back to that clint if you have any information on that if you have any like phone records or whatever let, let's see those let's 
you know, come back to that later on as far as the actual uh, timing is concerned. Right. Also, I, I just want to say John Smith yeah. was very in integral in in setting up the interview with Kathleen. I know he was sort of the connective tissue there uh, between that, them getting being able to uh, interview Kathleen. So, and I know it really wasn't covered on the show tonight, probably because he hasn't been introduced as a character yet. Um, but I think is, people are going to see that. People people will at least see how important John Smith is as uh, as an investigator and as a person in this in the show because he really did help get. Uh, get Kathleen to talk. I mean, he was he was talking to her. Holly here says, there's so much information to cover. I wish that there was more than six episodes to the series. Do you feel like the series will open doors for you that will help you gather more information? I agree on the first part, that there's so much information. It's definitely more than six episodes. I would like to say that the second part is, um, I hope that, any information that comes up, anything that leads to some other investigation gets uh, filtered right to the proper outlets. Law enforcement, uh, if you have to reach out to the to us and we contact the production company who contacts Art Roderick and he contacts the people that he knows, yeah. fantastic. But um, yeah, this, this is by the time the six episodes are done, I think there's going to be a, um, a period of time of... Let's assess everything that's happened, and uh, and all that noise is is probably going to be gone, and yeah. and there'll be a very focused investigation at that point. Whoever it's, takes that on, right, probably will definitely not be us because we don't have. Um, hey, don't never well, say never, never Lance. say never. But um, <laughs> if I were to choose between us or Art Roderick and Maggie, I would probably put my money on uh, those two. Right, but yeah, uh, I think it, no matter what, it's good. Um, so I think that's about it here tonight for our Facebook live event. Thank you all very much for chiming in. Thank you very much for, uh, hanging out with us here on this Facebook live event. Check out episode three next Saturday night at 7 PM Eastern six central, uh, Saturday, October 7th. That'll be episode three. Can you believe we're only two episodes through and we've already, we've already blown up it's certain theories. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Certain theories are, are, They've exploded. Right. So this is this has been the starting point for the new generation of people who are looking into this case. You got to strip all the noise away, and you need to look at just what is what 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 is the most logical, um, and keep your logical uh, resolution. Keep your uh, keep all doors open in this. Keep your mind open in all of this. And seriously, thank you, Kathleen Murray, for for talking and for for really bearing your soul in that interview it right. was really impressive it was incredibly courageous and brave uh it, w it was so important i think for for this crowdsourced investigation right do it what she did what like you said was so brave yeah there'll be some detractors on that there'll be some people who um are the vocal minority on mm. on what she said but kathleen needs to know that overall what she did was absolutely the right thing to do for the case and what she did on the show was absolutely the right thing. Yeah. Um, as uncomfortable as it is, sometimes you have to get uncomfortable in order to bring a conclusion to something that is a tragedy, really. Yeah. So what what she did was awesome. And just hang in there because you, there, there will be something good that comes out of the whole thing. We're only two down, guys. we got four left. This is going to get crazier. 
So uh, enjoy the rest of the series. We, we, we will be back, I think, at some point with more uh, post-show oxygen uh, Facebook Live sessions. Yeah. yeah, you know what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening, and I uh, hope you enjoy uh, episode three. Time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.